You are listening to Black Man in the Right World. Hey everybody, this is Mike. This is Grant, and today we're talking about the Netflix original Dolomite Is My Name, starring Eddie Murphy. Which inspired us to talk about how important it is to have confidence in yourself and support for your teams. So listen up, you know business, born insecure, junkyard mother... Mike, wait, save the Dolomite energy for the show. Alright. It's the last second of the last quarter of the last game of the season. My last season that I've ever played soccer. This is so dramatic. Ever. <laughs> okay, so it's like, I want to say bottom of the ninth, but that's the wrong sport. I always played defense in soccer, but this one time, this one game, they put me in offense because I had told my coach that in four years of soccer, I had never scored a goal. Everyone was rooting for me. Everyone wanted it to happen. My team kept passing me the ball. I was right in front of the net. And I kicked it, and it just went, like, way sideways. Oh, my God. One other time I kicked it, it was like wasn't hard enough, and the goalie just caught it instantly. And then the game was over. And then I never played soccer again. The, I mean, I, I'm not shocked that this happened to you because you were about to refer to this as the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> so the fact that you could. It's just more dramatic. It's the bottom of the ninth. But in your defense, though, it's so hard to kick a soccer ball straight sometimes. Like, yeah. you got to kick it, like, with the side of your foot. It's a whole science to it. I can kick it hard or I can kick it straight, but I can't do both. So this is, this story is because your ass tried to pretend, like, last episode that you didn't have any any deep uh, moments True. where you yeah. began to self-doubt yourself. Yeah, it was one of those moments where I was like, I can do this, I can do this, and then I totally flopped. But, okay, the reason why I didn't think of this is, and we had a big discussion about this afterwards. Yeah, I where, came for him. Yeah, like, it sounds like I'm four this, days straight. <laughs> I'm this perfect little angel baby who never had any problems and had a perfect childhood, and, you know, I never doubted myself ever. That's not true. Um, and I just couldn't think of a good moment because I was focused on art and doubting myself in art. And I'm sure I had moments of that, too, that I just can't remember. But then yeah. immediately after our episode and then you calling me out, I thought of this. Yeah, because I just like just not only the last episode where we talk about self-doubt, also the fact that uh, there's just times like this could be my own trauma that I need to fix or whatever. But it's like sometimes I feel like I'm like I have loggery and I'm just spitting out shit over and over again and like telling all these crazy stories. And then like I'll get there like, oh, well, he's like the white guy over there. And his story is never going to be as devastating as mine because like racism didn't doesn't translate into his life the same way it does mine. So then I get all self-conscious because I'm like, my story will always be too much. It's like it's like me basically being like, here's my life as told like based on push by sapphire and then you were and then you're like oh here's my life like based on like i don't know disney channel original movie and it's like but who it, is the who who writes judy bloom i feel like that's the author of my life judy bloom writes judy bloom judy bloom is the author oh darn it what does judy bloom write <laughs> what does she write doesn't she write ramona ramona, ramona yeah Beavis. so yeah I was my like, life's <laughs> written by judy bloom judy bloom is my childhood that. not my life my life is written by quentin tarantino or somebody oh my god maybe once i came into it but yeah so yeah, we, we just had this kind of at odds thing where i like i feel like i'm over i'm dramatic and you know dramatic black guy and he's like 
the pristine little white boy. But that that may not be the case. But that is, you know, we have real conversations like that. Sometimes on air, sometimes off. Yeah, that was an extreme moment of self-doubt for me because I was like, man, even when everyone is rooting for me, everything was set up. It literally felt like like even the other team was like, let's let this kid try. And I just couldn't do it. And then I was like, I'm never playing this again. I I feel you. I I was in I played football for two point three seconds, like because, you know, whether racism be damn and whatever, you know, the other shit that went on in my school, I just wasn't. I didn't feel like I wasn't that good, so I was just like, I'm not gonna do it. Granted, my dad was still involved in that situation because my dad was like a football coach, and like a star football player. So, yeah, you know. Well, wasn't that you know, we talked daddy, about this? Daddy caused trauma, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about uh, another one where you tried to do hurdling, didn't well, you? Yes, because okay, my dad was a star football player and a hurdler, and I when I tried to I played football for five seconds, quit because I was like, <laughs> I can't do it. Uh, but I then, at least made four seasons of soccer, but they were against my will. See, yeah, my parents weren't like that. They were, they didn't. They were like, you don't seem like you good at it, so we ain't gonna put you in. I'm like, damn. I wish uh, we could switch on that front. Yeah, no, I wouldn't want to play soccer. Hell no, I could play something else though. But anyway, I was playing. Or I I tried to do football, quit that. Then I tried to do track, and I was a long jumper and a high jumper, and I was thick. I had a thick booty, juicy booty. So <laughs> being a high jumper was not gonna work out. And I could I could long jump because I got a power in my thighs and shit. But the high jump, I could not do. because Does the booty would... hinder your ability to jump? And no, my booty would hit the... Because, you know, it's a pole on high jump. Oh. And you got to, like, jump and, like, leap, leap over it with oh, your back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a problem. Yeah, my shit always would be, like, pop and hit the back <laughs> of me. But, so... Got it. I was like, I'm not, this, I'm not good at that. And I wasn't that fast. I was fast in elementary school because I was going against just all white kids. So I was kicking their ass. But then... Uh, once I got to high school, you know, there was two or three other black kids in the school of hundreds. So it was like harder because now I had to compete against other people. So I, I wasn't just doing sprinting anymore. So then I was like, fuck, well, what if I do hurdles? Because there's no one that really does. We don't have that many hurdlers on the team. And the coach laughed at me. My dad was like, I don't know if you're going to be able to do all of that. And my very first hurling race, I clipped the first hurdle and smacked my face on the track and it was the 300 intermediate hurdles which means like that's the one where you got to run around the whole track basically so i i face hurdles all the way down hurdles around the whole damn thing for 300 meters but and i smacked my face and then like it was like ooh, and then like people were clapping for me you know like they clap when the person like is trying to get to the finish line kids are so mean it's the whole race so the whole race they like oh and it was, yeah, that was devastating. So that was my sports fail moment. But how did you how did you overcome that? Because didn't you go on to do well? well? I, I eventually became good because I got, you know, my daddy's jeans and I became like a state champion and league champion. But anyway. <laughs> but that specific moment, moment, yeah. That specific first moment was terrible. But, hey, I stuck with it and then I started whooping their ass because I told you I got them cakes. It's the booty cheeks. Like that shit was power. I was popping over those hurdles. Yeah, but, yeah, I can see it being a benefit there as opposed to a uh, a hindrance. Yeah, Get what it I says mean. it like that, hindrance. Yeah, because it's a uh, behind. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Are we at the point where I can just do bad puns on the podcast now? I guess we're there. I'm so <laughs> upset. Um, there's another moment of extreme self doubt, but I was another thing that threw me off was uh, sticking to to childhood. Because I had a moment in college at Chapman that I, like, I shudder when I look back on. 
Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. that's pretty much my whole experience at this school. I was shuddering the whole time. But <laughs> what what was your what's the moment? So I took a I took an improv class or two. I can't remember if I did two years or not. I didn't know you had improv class. No, no, this was at my commu- uh, city college that I went to before oh, okay. I transferred to Chapman. So I took two improv classes and I thought I was decent at it. I you know, like I know how to do this. Yeah, this will be fun. So I eventually worked up the courage to audition for the improv. I think it was like Improv Inc. or something. Some improv club at Chapman. I think I remember that, Improv Inc. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, And the way that they did the auditions was they have everybody who wants to to join go up on stage. And then you, um, I don't know if they like called people, called on people or you just jump in. But you get two rounds and then you're done. For the Um, auditions. Yeah, for the auditions. And then from that, those two rounds, they pick whether or not they're going to, like, who they're going to cast or who they're going to use for the team. Yeah. Um, And, you know, me feeling semi-confident in myself, went out there, and both times, I just did horribly. And, oh, it was so embarrassing. I was so upset. And, like, I didn't, I hadn't done improv since then. Like, (laughs) honestly, like, it was that bad. I was like, I'm not going to do this You didn't say nothing at all? What, what? You didn't say anything at all? You just stood up there like a deer in headlights? One time, uh, I think I went up there and the other person talked over me the whole time. Uh, and I didn't know what to do with that. And then it was over. Um, and then the second time, the other time, I think I just I initiated something and it was just bad. It was just a bad initiation. It wasn't funny. And, and uh, I was just, I was really intimidated by See, but my thing is, because like, I now that I've done improv for a while now, like, I do get so fucking frustrated that people go out there and they're like, want to be the star of the show, but they don't have anything to say. Mm. And I'm like, then why didn't you stay your ass in the back then if you ain't going to initiate? But uh, they, it's so, I still get super nervous every single time I do it. But it's only because I'm just like, what if I don't say anything? Like this last time we were, we were practicing and I froze up. I didn't say anything really. Cause like, the stuff that everyone was saying was kind of off the wall, so I got caught up on what they were saying, and I'm like, you know, someone says something that's slightly problematic. It sounds like, I'm like, did you just refer to, like, children, like, being molested? I'm like, now my mind is stuck on that. I can't even think about initiating stuff. So yeah. I, I still freeze up. Other uh, people can kind of, like, it takes a skill to be good at improv without, like, like, like regardless of who your partner is, I think. Yeah, you got to be able to, and also stir, like, stir the conversation or change the conversation, like, redirect it. Exactly. If it's a little off. Uh, yeah. yeah, to not be thrown off. It's like you, it's like going to war. Yeah, I get thrown <laughs> off really easily. But, you got to have, like, a, like, the, the fortitude of a soldier to be able to go into battle and, like, switch, like, as needed oh and God. not get thrown off by, yeah. like, other people. Improv actors should just be, they should replace, defund the police, replace all the cops with improv, improvisational actors. I mean, if you listen to our role-playing episode, we do say that people need to be better improvisers. Yes, because you need to find a different way to do that. Yeah. Just be like, Throw away the script. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so that that needed to be cleared up because, yeah, I I do feel like there are moments where... It's a lot of pressure on being this, like, the the black guy of the podcast or the black man in the right world type thing where I'm like, oh, I just feel like I have to share my black trauma. It's not something that you ask of me, and it's not anything that anyone really asks of me, but I just feel like the, 
it's just like these things are real. These things did occur. So if I bring it up, it's like I, I feel like I'm either complaining or uh, not looking on the bright side or, you know, not being some like 100 percent positive thinker, game changer, life coach, motherfucker, you know, like all of our friends. Like, it's just <laughs> it's like I'm just like it's it's hard to sometimes be that raw. And then like and then I, I got self-conscious because I'm like, I'm sharing a story. And then I, I'm like, I throw the ball to you and then you're like, oh, I can't think of one right now. And I'm like, oh, does he not have one? Is this life just a perfect? He's just a perfect white guy. Of course. No, it's like I'm just dumb. Yeah. So, you <laughs> know, I just couldn't think of it in the moment. We and, have real moments. And yeah, you know, there's a little bit of like, I want to have something that's a good story. Um, because I think sometimes I'll start start a memory just because I have a memory of something doesn't mean it's like a story. Yeah. Well, that's why we got to do things at the same time so that when you all ask and remember anything, I can help you out. Yeah. And one instance of that is, or multiple instances of that is when we watch movies. Uh, and this time uh, we watched a good movie that we had on our watch list for a while. We hadn't seen it until now, until last night or two nights ago, whatever it was. Um, but... And I apologize for that because it's kind of old now. So everyone's like, why you ain't seen that shit already? But we watched Dolomite Is My Name. Uh, yeah, the, it was on Netflix. It's on a, Netflix. I think it's a Netflix original. It's a Netflix original. Because yeah. you know Netflix picks up shit because nobody else wants to do their boss's races. But uh, <laughs> uh, I said it. I said what I said. Uh, but then in it, it, of course, stars Eddie Murphy. And it's like Eddie Murphy making his comeback because he ain't been in shit since I don't know when. Since Dream Girls or some shit I ain't seen. Uh, so he, he's, yeah, he was in a lot of kind of you know raunchy comedies that kind of didn't go anywhere. I feel like uh, yeah, like the last one I remember is like Norbit. Dream Girls was after Norbit though. Was it? I hope so. I kind of don't think it was. I think it was. I think he was like. I think that was a baby comeback, and then he went back into a hole again. Um, oh well, maybe but, he did like a thousand words between then and then. Oh, I don't nope. Do you know that, that one? Nope. Okay. Yeah, it's something I don't. I nope. didn't see it, but remember that one movie we saw, uh, picture this or something. He did, and it was like it was Jar Shahidi. That was his daughter. I was like, ah, oh, that's yeah. her. She was like a little baby. She was so little. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I ain't never seen that movie. Sorry, but uh, I watch all your shit now, Yara. But uh, but then um, yeah. So Eddie Murphy kind of just made a comeback and popped up out of nowhere, and he did really really well in this movie as Rudy Ray Moore who's the actor, comedian, who actually plays Dolomite and all these other characters in real life, uh, R.I.P. But the then the movie is is kind of, I, I guess it's a biopic, I would say, but it's like about Rudy Ray Moore's kind of shift from his little shitty career to doing comedy to doing... Um, like comedy stand up and then making his own movie, filming yeah. his own movie. So so it starts off where he's like trying to be like a music uh like a like a musician, right? Yeah, he's I like think he's trying to get a, you know, trying to get his music play, got trying to get some airtime and he works at a record shop. So he has like a regular old job like the rest of us. And, and then he does a little bit of comedy at a nightclub. And he does a little bit of comedy on the side of the nightclub, but it's like very just basic, you know, just some basic jokes. Yeah, and he's, uh, and he's just kind of like bummed out by his, how small his life got. I remember that was a good line where he's like, he's like, I moved to LA with these big dreams, and how did I end up living a life so small? Yeah, because like you know he's like old now. He's like in his forties or something. So he's just like, I, it's time that I ain't did nothing with my life. I, it's like what that fear that we all had that like I feel like I'm afraid of you know, ten years from now I could be forty two years old and still trying to to get people to give me a job or 
be a writer, be all these things. So it's just like that's a reality. That's very a real, real fear that people have. And it's very inspiring that you, you know, what what happens after that. Yeah, point. the whole movie is inspiring because like I knew the story of Rudy Ray Moore already. But I didn't, I didn't get to see it in this fun way. Because, like, all I got to see was, like, clips of Do- Dolomite or just, like, who he was as a, like, as a celebrity figure. So he's playing these characters and shit. I don't get to see what he, you know, his him doubting himself or him having this dark moments or kind of the behind the scenes. So that this movie gives you that glimpse and you get to see him with his, like, friends and everything and how they... How he comes to to make the movie? Yeah, he, he has a he has a there's a I mean this movie has a stacked cast. I mean he, his friend group is Craig Robinson who plays a character named Ben. Yeah, which is one of his friends, another musician and singer. Um, there's Mike Epps as his friend Jimmy, uh, Titus Burgess as Tony, another one of his friends, um, and then there's some people he meets once his career starts taking off, like Keegan Michael Key, who plays a writer named Jerry, who helps him write the Dolomite movie. And then there's um, Divine Joy Randolph, who is another woman who he meets and and kind of jumpstarts her career once he starts going forward with the Dolomite stuff. Um, and so they kind of do comedy and, and they become characters together. Yes. Um, Honestly, this cast, like, because it's like all these different black people of different shades and they all are kind of like hefty. It looked like a it looked like a football team, but <laughs> but they look like a very a very sexy football team. No, everyone in this movie is just it just G's like bosses. Uh, even yeah. uh, one of the characters, he's kind of like he's not a villain, but he just kind of he's a little a little uptight. Yeah, is Wesley Snipes' character who plays a famous actor, Durville Martin, right? Yeah, Durville Martin. Yeah. Uh, so like it's just so many good people in it that you just you want to pay attention to each character and what they have. To to bring onto the screen because you already know who they are to some to some extent and you know like their comedy or you know who they uh what they can do so you're like oh how are you going to make me laugh on in this movie and everyone is just very true to the time because uh, it's the 70s and, and very true to the moment and it's and it has that whole feel even the the movie that they're filming the dolomite movie they're filming in it plus the movie itself is a period piece. It's like very interesting because because <laughs> they're making a movie that's supposed to be just current, but the, to us it looks like it's a period piece making a movie about a period piece. Yeah. So it's it it's very much we're like looking at all the elements of the seventies and elements of that time, and they got the Afro wigs on and all this stuff, and it's just very cool. It's cool too to see like so he he starts off by he gets inspired by, I mean, can we say like how he gets his start as Dolomite? Well, yeah, he gets his jokes from, like, crackheads. Yeah, he gets his jokes from homeless people, right? Yeah. And then he turns those, he takes those. And Not then, saying that all homeless people are crackheads. Well, the, I, the, the these specific. Char- these characters yeah. specifically in this movie, they, they had a relationship with crack. I So just <laughs> let, let that be clear. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the crackhead homeless people in this movie. Yeah. Um, uh, and they're their own characters. And, and, you know, they're played by some pretty cool actors. I mean, I think one of them is Ron Cephas Jones. He's in a bunch of stuff. Um. Yeah, he was, I mean, I love him from my favorite of his characters. He's in so much stuff. He's in, I think he's in This Is Us, but I I, I have not seen that. And I he, is, to watch he is in that. Yeah. He's also in Mr. Robot. Yeah, that's what I said. I liked him in Mr. Robot. I mean, his yeah. daughter is, um, what's the name? From Hamilton. She's in Hamilton Blind Spotting. Oh, yes. Yes. I can't think we'll of her. We'll look her up. I can't think of her first name. I just know her name is Cephas Jones. Uh, yeah, we will look her. I'll look her up she, right now. She is, she's great. So, 
Um, yeah, he's he's in it. So like every character is someone pretty big. The the white people I will say in it. What's her name? Jasmine Seafish. Ja- yes. Yeah. Okay, I knew that. She plays and Peggy. Yeah. And then you know the and other somebody character. else in yeah. Hamilton once Peggy's not existent. Yeah. But she's great in Blind Spotting. Yeah, I, that's a whole movie that we need to talk about one day. Um, but. I the thing I liked about this movie was that every character is memorable. But I was saying though is that like all the white characters, I was like, I'm sorry, I don't know where you're from. <laughs> I don't know if they were random people. I don't know if they were oh, actual. You mean the the people from the record company? Everyone, anyone that was a, a non-black character in this movie, I had not seen them before. Really, I was like, I'm not sure what you've been in. The only one was a uh, Better Call Saul. Oh yes, he is. Okay. But he's at the very end. It's a very small cameo. Yeah, uh, so he's in it, uh, Bob Odenkirk. But the, that's the only person I recognize. Everyone else was like, I don't know who the fuck these people are. But the funny thing was is, like, that felt good. Because it was just, for me, because it's just like, this is a movie that I'm just seeing so many black people. Of course, it's about black people, and it's a true story, so there's no other way to, around going to film it. But it was just nice to see all these different shapes and colors. Uh, Mike, you know what's interesting? Don't tell me. I'm on IMDb. And I just so happened to wanted to look who directed and wrote this movie. So it was uh, probably directed by the KKK. No, 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 no. We're not going to put that out there. But it was so the director is a a white guy named Craig Brewer, right? And then the writers are these guys: Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. Larry Scott and who? <laughs> Craig Brewer. Craig, Larry, and Scott. Yeah, what Craig, the Larry, and fuck? Scott. <laughs> Man, see, okay, this is the thing. I'm very happy that all of these actors, Divine and, and Eddie and everybody, got to play in this movie and and tell such a cool story. And it had it was had a nice feel good moments in it and shit like that. But what? Three like you didn't have just one white director. You had a white, a white director. What two white writers? Who the yeah. producers? Producers probably white too. This is interesting. Yeah. So the director he directed uh, he directed Black Snake Moan, Hustle and Flow, and he's also directing Coming to America, the new one. Oh, so yeah. okay. I guess he just has a relationship. Maybe Eddie Murphy really wanted to get uh, uh, Coming to America made, so he like let this ha- one happen. <laughs> but the that's uh, yeah. it's just like. Maybe there was a line, kill. huh? I said a little bit of a buzzkill. Kind of. There was a line in the movie where where Wesley Snipes' character, because he was like a snooty uh, actor or whatever, because mm-hmm. he played like he had two roles, like an elevator operator, some racist shit, you know, back then. But anyway, he was thought he was hot shit. But he made a moment like where he was like, oh, like white people don't know how to shoot black people, or he said you got to get you got to get someone who knows how to shoot black people because like we look different on camera, and I'm like. I hope that was actually something that was said in the Dolomite era and not just something that was added by these white guys. I'm sure it was. Okay. I feel like that's a stigma that's been around for I mean, a while. I'm just skeptical now, always now, because I'm just like, all these white people made the movie. They, it's all kind of stuff. I mean, that makes sense why none of the white people were that mean. Yeah. It was like literally the 70s. It's like, like we know the history of what how people acted back then to, towards black people. But for some reason, in this movie, everyone was kind of like understanding. Yeah. They'd be like, yeah, uh, hey, man, I'm sorry that I didn't give you the record deal the first time. Well, I, but thought, I really want to work with you now. I thought for sure the first record company that picked up his first record would be shady. And they ended up being like chill. 
they never like cheated him or anything. Yeah. They were like super, super nice, but they were also like low. Or they were up front when they were like, hey, look, we're going to loan you this money to make the movie, but. Yeah, if I think you they were like a mob. I don't know. It seemed kind of intense. Yeah. Yeah, they. I mean, they they seemed sketchy, but they didn't do anything sketchy. No, yeah, the white guys that like, we were chill, so that makes sense why white people wrote it. <laughs> uh, we can't have nothing. Yeah, that whole scene with Wesley Snipes talking about like the the whole lighting issue is interesting because I remember when I was working at the stages back at Chapman, there was one time that Ava DuVernay actually came um, to show her film Middle of Nowhere. It's one mm. of the first films that she did, um, and I remember her talking about how. When she filmed that movie, she had a conversation with her DP about how, you know, whenever Hollywood shoots black people, they usually sh- like like film it so it's very bright and like very like high key lighting. You know, yeah. the, that whole thing about like, oh, you have to make sure that you shoot black people the right way. And so she had said in the interview that like per- they purposefully wanted to shoot very like like the opposite of that. Where what's, that movie is like very dark and and it's interesting the way that they shoot like black people with natural light and, and like the, the cinematography in that film is really interesting. Yeah. But fun fact, when I was up working in the, the, um, the booth, you know, the projection booth, one of my coworkers who will remain nameless said something like, Oh, this movie's so dark. Like, oh, I don't like this movie because it's so dark. The lighting's so dark. Do I know this person? No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. I probably do. <laughs> I would have, I maybe I would have given you a hint if I knew them. Mm. And I was, I was like, that's so interesting. That person was like, so like taken aback by that. Like, oh, the lighting is so dark. Well, the whole, yeah, the whole idea of things not being able to be dark or, or being like this, that being a bad thing. It's like, whatever. So, yeah, fuck that. Yeah. But fuck that's the a, that just made me think of that. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's a real thing. Like, I feel like, especially the movies were black and white, they probably really was making a big deal about it. Like, we don't want no black ass people in there, so let's just paint our faces and pretend to be black. Um, I, but, mean, I, I don't even know how that, like, I mean, back then, everything was, like, grayscale, so it wouldn't have mattered. They use high-key lights anyway, no matter what. Yeah, I think they just, they just didn't want black people in it. Um, yeah, that, <laughs> it, was like it, wasn't, it wasn't about lighting. It was yeah. about racism. Yeah. The So, in the movie... Like, outside of just telling the story of Dolomite, it, like, it really deals with what we kind of want to focus on is this idea of of kind of having, like, a team or a tribe and kind of kind of a, a piggybacking off of our previous conversation about self-doubt, kind of just, like, finding uh, if you're doing the right thing or doing the things you're supposed to be doing and kind of going going against the grain or continuing to push yourself, even in those darkest moments. Because the last couple of days, or in, and by last couple of days, I mean for the last 32 years, <laughs> I've been, like, having moments of spiraling where I'll just be like, oh, my God, I ain't shit. I'm fat. I'm ugly. I'm black. Like, I'm not funny. I don't know how to write. I'm not do nothing. Fake <laughs> like, news. I mean, I don't know. I'm still in the process of spiraling, so, like, I don't know. I don't believe it's all fake news. I'll be having some really down moments. And I feel like, I mean, everybody is. It just gets frustrating when people are like, oh, it's quarantine. And it's like, I get it, Mike. Everyone's going through a hard time. I'm like, you know, you're not, though. Because, like, even on a good day, my good days suck. But, uh, like, it's just hard for people. Like, when people try to dismiss dismiss the spiral, it gets very hard. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's so important to have, like, a tribe. Or a posse or a team, because in this movie, one thing that really resonated with me was just like how 
you know, all the different characters that are portrayed by Titus and, and Craig Robinson and all everybody and, and Mike Epps, like everyone like had his back and they all had specific roles. They all had started off as a cashier or just a guitar player or just, you know, like these other roles. And then they all took roles on in the movie set and all was doing shit. One person was producing, another person was catering, another person was holding, you know, lights and stuff. And it was like everybody just came to work because they were his homies and yeah. his team. And I was like, that's so important. And they were, they were at the beginning of the film, they were kind of, I don't, I don't want to say they were more successful than him, but they were a little, he was a little bit down on himself. Cause he's like, Oh, I ain't got nothing. Like I don't, he, I can't sing. I can't do all this. He was kind of, yeah, he was gunning down on himself and then they were teasing him. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And like, I think it was Mike Epps, the character or something. He had said something about like, Oh, whatever you get all your jokes from crackheads or something like that. Like, and it kind of hurt his feelings, but then he immediately went outside and kind of like apologized to him. Like, That's true. I was like, Oh my yeah. God, look at the brotherly love, the black love. Uh, we need more of that um, in the in movies and film. Like show these like these these friends, and they didn't fight. There was no stealing of the money and none of that, and like hating each other and none. It was it was all cool and gravy. Maybe maybe the true story had some more drama in it, but maybe I, I don't want to see that. Let's give give me the Disney Channel version. <laughs> so this was it was nice to see that he had this like ride or die team, and I feel like yeah, you know it it's hard for me personally. I would say I go. Sometimes I'm afraid to bring this conversation up because it can easily be translated into like uh, projecting or putting it like all on everybody else. Like, oh, I'm not even I'm not succeeding now because like my friends don't have my back the way I want them to. Or, uh, you know, it's like it's, it seems like you're, you're making excuses. But I do think it's very important to some degree. You have to have some kind of some kind of nuclear team. And so for some people, that could be. Your wife and your children, your your husband and your children, your your classroom, your schoolmates, your best friends that used to live next door to you your whole life, or your roommates. You know, it could be it's it be or you know people that work in the same film industry as you work on the film set. It could be so many different versions of what this tribe could look like, but it's so important for people to have that, like have that collaboration and have that support system. Yeah, and I think like the one of the cool things about how they portray that in the movie is, you know, he has these these friends of his that he's hanging out with, and then you know they they're they're ragging on him about like oh you get all your drugs from homeless people, but then he goes out and he you know brings brings some whiskey, brings some money, talks to the homeless people, writes it down, creates his character, you know, and and does it, and when he goes up on stage, you said this earlier. Like instantly he starts doing this bit and his friends jump up on, you know, one guy jumps up on the drum set and he starts drumming and the other guy guy jumps on the piano. Yeah. The other guy jumps on the piano and they They just start backing him up. They just take their positions because when they were teasing him, they weren't teasing him like you do this and and you're stupid for that. They were just saying they were bringing attention to to a skill set he has. Like, oh, yeah. you all, you know, it's like somebody if you go up to a friend, like whatever, you always be telling them crazy ass fart jokes, man. You always trying to make people laugh. That may sound like you're kind of saying he's just silly and he's, you know, and can't people get taken serious. But no, that what they said is that's what you you always doing that. And that's what and you're good at it. So yeah. therefore, go go 100. So what basically in this movie, Rudy Ray Moore was going like he was going like 55, 75. And when he when they kind of teased him about taking the jokes from the crackheads, he's like, well, bump it. I'm going to go 100 on this. And he he went and got he didn't just take one or two jokes from the crackheads while sitting at the table. He 
took all he took a whole stories and a whole bunch of you know knowledge from them and paid them for it. And then when he went to go when he created these characters based off of that, it was successful. Yeah. And uh, the the thing that's so cool is that he was, became so confident in himself. Like, he knew he was going to oh, be successful. Oh, blindly confident. Like, he blindly was like, confident. Like, shouldn't have been confident yeah, he himself. Yeah, he was a little too confident. But I was like, damn, I need that energy. I need that yeah. dolomite energy. Yeah, seriously. Like, cause, because, because he was so confident in himself, when he had his moments of self-doubt, his friends became confident in him and, and supported him because he was, he was so confident in himself. Like, there was a moment um, that you know, kind of happens towards the end where, you know, everyone's, even they start doubting and, you know, they get the reviews for the movie and they start reading them and they're mixed reviews or, or downright terrible. And he just doesn't, you know, he, maybe he starts to doubt himself, but like then his friends are like, well, no, I mean, we know we had a good time. We made it. And then when he reads one review that it's going to be raunchy, he's like, oh, that's perfect. That's all we need. People yeah, want to see They try to use like, derog- like, they try to use negative terms to it. Like, it's raunchy, it's edgy, it's a little, it's messy. And he was basically whatever they say. And he's yeah. like, oh, that's cool because people are going to want to see why it's that way. Yeah. And now I feel like whether that statement is an actual factual, you know, statement that was made, he just coined what like what a cult classic is. Yeah. So he he knew he had a cult classic on his hands. He basically like, whatever, everybody gonna say this is a dumbass movie like The Room, but shit, The Room made money though, y'all. Everybody didn't see that dumbass movie. Yeah, so like that's it's like true. <laughs> it's like that it, it happens like that. If you are so true and confident about yourself, and he gave me very he gave me room energy. Uh what's that man's <laughs> name? Uh oh, the director of the room, how can I forget? I don't. You, I mean, you forgot. I, I forgot. Don't, yeah, I don't remember his name either. Let's look it up. But is that fool? Like, the, he had the similar energy. Like, I'm gonna make this movie. I got the, all this money from God knows where, and everyone's like, I guess I support you. And and he makes it, and it's campy, and it kind of sucks. Tommy Wiseau. Yes, Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> How could I forget? All I could think of was James Franco with a wig. I know. Uh, but yeah, so. It was. It had that same energy where it was like blind confidence, but it's so it's so enticing, and I'm like, I need that because sometimes you know I'm spiraling and having these moments of doubt consistently. I'm like, what if I just was like, my shit's good. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, if yeah, <laughs> you gotta. Sometimes you have to be like that. You have to be like very sure of yourself. Yeah, because he he reco- he wrote all his jokes. He you know went up there and performed them when he didn't have permission. He just like from the from his club the club owner that he was performing at. He just went for it and it was a hit. Yeah. Then he recorded the album in his bedroom and that was a hit. Yeah, um, I feel like my mom had a Dolomite record. Well, didn't you say there was some line where your dad? I mean, you don't have to say it on the podcast, but you're like, oh, my dad used to say that. This is why. Oh, I feel like my dad quote is like my dad is like low key one of the characters that Dolomite created and I don't think that was on purpose or accident. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but yeah, there was some things where he like a monkey stepped on the monkey foot and all that. I'm like, that sounds like crazy shit my dad used to say because he always had his one-liners and stuff. So I was like, ugh, this reminds me of my father. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, my, I feel like my mom had records or something like that because like, there was a record or two that had titties on it and I remember I thought it was just so funny so we'd be digging through, we'd be thumbing through all the records because my mom got like she got the record, like all of the old school 70s and 60s and shit. That's awesome. So, uh, but I would remember just like one or two because, you know, like the Ohio players and stuff like that. He always had the titties out. And I remember it might have been a Rudy Ray Moore one because it's like one where it's just a guy sitting on the couch or something. I'm like, with a naked woman. And I think that's totally what he did in the movie. Yeah, that's the, so, that's the first one when they did the photos and they made it official. 
Yeah. He was smart the way they marketed it because he made it seem like it was this taboo thing that people couldn't, you know, like, ooh, you have to be in the know to know about. But it. everybody wants it. Yeah. Like sex sells. Yeah. Nobody, was... The only people that are like so freaked out about like sexuality and like and body positivity are like Mike Pence. And it's like, cool, dude. Like no one was <laughs> trying to touch you anyway. You can be sex negative or whatever the fuck you want. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. yeah. I won't talk about politics, own. but like sometimes every now and then you gotta just be like, fuck you to the racist ass bigots that are causing problems in our country right now. I'm yeah, sorry. Just, I'm just, just, just one for the just, just one, one for, for me. Just one. <laughs> just one one for you. <laughs> and now yeah. back to the regular scheduled programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, in the in the movie, that that confidence is just so uh enticing. It's enticing, but it's it's like it's contagious to the other people that are in his posse and in his team. Yeah. And therefore when he has those little moments of 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 low confidence or self-doubt or he's spiraling and he's kind of being like, "Oh shit, maybe I did fuck up. Maybe I did mess up." The the record company just like believes in him and gives him more money. Or the his friends kind of say like, "No, nah, snap your ass back." And then like, "You actually you, you made a fucking movie." Like, yeah. who cares about all the details if it was perfect, or if you're just like Roman Polanski, or if you're, or if you're as good as the Academy Award-winning, you know, top movies, or if you spent as much as this big-budget film? Who gives a fuck about all that? Though? What's important is you put together a crew, you found a writer, you found a director, uh, DP, all these people, put everybody to work, filmed the whole movie from start to finish, edited it, and you have a finished product. Like yeah. sometimes, sometimes we harp on the and we and we worry too much about the process, and we get stuck in the process so much, and then celebrating the result, and like that's crazy. Imagine it, like some. I mean, I feel like some parents might do this. Imagine if like you have the baby, but all you talk about to the kid is like, I was in labor nine months, and or not in labor nine months. I was I was carrying for nine, nine months. months yeah, of labor? that's a long time. And it was like, been, I was in labor for a couple of hours, and it hurt. And the whole time I had to do this and do that. You know, some parents kind of complain about you know, when they was carrying the baby. But if you keep doing that over and over and over and over again, the kid's 18 years old, it's like, there was so much that happened that you missed or you missing the result. Accomplish that you had, that you, that the baby is here. Like, celebrate the life. So, in the same regard to something that's not living, like, it's a a fucking grueling, crazy process to try to make a movie or to write a book or to, to write a song. But if you fucking finish your song... And it's and you put it on Spotify or whatever, or you finish your little short movie and you put it on Vimeo, or you finish your your short novel or your short book or whatever, and you put it in, you know, in some in some magazine or something. You finished something. You accomplished it. Focus on that. Be like I finished something. God damn it! I don't give a fuck if it took me ten years to do this shit. I don't give a damn if it took me ten, you know, ten weeks. I don't care. Like uh, all this, like I, I had blood, sweat, and tears to make this. But all I care about and all I'm happy about is that I finished it. Don't you think that the fear of the result is also an issue too? Like you're so afraid of what people are going to think of well, it. Yeah, how people done. will receive the result. But yeah. you gotta, you gotta be like, I finished it. Yeah. Like, and so if people say, oh, it's not that, it's not that good of a book. You're like, but guess what? It's a fucking finished book. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it got a binding on it, bitch. It got my name on the front. Like, yeah, but it's not as good as like, I'm like, that's cool. 
But you know what it is as good as? It's as good as my first completed book because it is my first completed book. So suck a dick. Like it's, yeah, it's like this is the, this is the starting point. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy. I I accomplished something. Like, yeah. You got it. And I mean, this is it's easier said than done because, like, I obviously have a million and one projects that I need to complete. But you it, and me both. Yeah. But it's just it's hard to. I, I've been like, you know, I've been having you have a lot of moments where I feel like I don't. I have people that support me or that are like down for me. But I am treated so much like an independent that it that that part gets hard. Yeah. I'm not as independent as I appear. Well, like. What do you think about the whole, because we had talked about this earlier in the week, um, about just like the, the whole aspect of teams and, and how they how they affect like, you know, how we create and what we create and our confidence level in our ability to create. Um, and I feel like there's this kind of feeling like uh, sometimes you don't have the right team or, or maybe you think you have the team and then the, the team almost hinders you or sometimes you're just never picked for the team. Like, and I feel like the, we talked about this a little bit, like that's some feelings you have or some feelings I, I have. I mean, I don't even know if I even shared how I felt about the whole team thing, because I think sometimes, you know, I, I lament not having a team rallying behind me, but at the same time, like I try to rally behind other people so that I feel like I'm always like a team member, but I'm never like the leader of the team. That makes sense. Yeah, which is funny because you had plenty of times to be a leader of the team, and I guess you didn't want to be. And I, I feel like, like I always like swerve it, like I always, I always duck away from it, and that can be bad. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I just it's so interesting because I always, I do always feel like the kid that's not going to get picked for the team or pick, you know. And I got you see the friends like doing certain projects and things like that. And you're like, I would help you for free. But you like, and you can only tell people that for so long. You can only tell people like, "Oh, I'm totally down to work with you on something. Just let me know." But you know, you look at your phone or you look at your answering machine. You're like, nobody's really nobody. I guess they don't need my help. And because yeah. there are a lot of people out there that like always want money. There's always people that's like, "Oh, I can't. Uh, I don't want to be working for free. If you want me to edit something, you want me to be a DP. You want me to." Uh, um, you want me to to promote your album? You want me to help you? You know, film a music video. Everybody want a penny, a dollar, and a nickel. But I'm like over here. I'm just like I'm really like I want to make shit. But when I say I care about the finished product, I care about the fucking finished product. So when I got friends out there, you know, they making the albums or they make one fucking song. They paint, they they paint one fucking picture. They they can they can post one little quote they put up or they write in half a poem or some shit. I'm like, cool. That's tight. That's fucking gangster. Cause you finished something. That's all I care about. Yeah. And I and I'm like, what you want me to do? You want me just to promote it? You want me just to tell you, you that I read it and it's and it's awesome? Cause I can do that and that's the truth. Yeah. But also if you want to turn this some shit into a movie or you want to make a music video, let's fucking do it. Tell me let's let's go to work. And I'm not looking for any money. I can I can look from I know how to get a fucking job. Like to make money, like I, I can't get the the, the 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 desirable jobs I want, you know, like being a writer's assistant and all that stuff yet, because the the system's all fucked up and racist. But I I can go, you know, I can go to McDonald's or something and and make a paycheck and get and get my little five hundred dollars or whatever. If that if I need it that bad, that's right. not why I'm in. That's not why I'm a creative. That's not why I want to be a writer. That's not why I want to make shit. Well, and I think like there's times where I've seen people who are creating and working together, and I feel like I want to be a part of that. 
And like, I may be jealous that like, oh, I'm not part of their core team or, or, you know, like, oh, I wish like I was one of their go-to people. And then there are other times where it's been my fault that, you know, maybe somebody's asked me to help one time and I and just like, wasn't. Nah. What? And you're like, hell no. Nah. Yeah, I just missed that. I missed the chance. And some people, you know, you, you miss that first opportunity and you don't become that, that person that, you know, that you, you're not, you, you, for whatever reason, you get written off as not reliable or not dependable. Yeah. I mean, everybody, some people think people are busy and stuff. Yeah. I, but hey, if you come to me and you're like, let's start a fucking artist management company, then motherfucking two years later, you got a fucking artist management company. And look, right. at, and look at us now. I told motherfuckers, all you gotta do is ask. You just don't be afraid of my black ass. Y'all out there supposed <laughs> to be so goddamn liberal and shit. And my little liberal bubble of friends, Chapman, whatever elementary schools I didn't went to, whatever I met you at an improv class or whatever. You know, everybody's supposed to be these progressive people. Don't be scared. If you got a project or something and you just need you need somebody to be real with you or somebody to support you, tell a nigga, because I I will let you know and I will support you. And if you don't think that is real. Ask fucking Grant. You could ask Kate. You could ask Kaylin, who I manage. You could ask like <laughs> Jordan and all these other people that was part of Jubilo Drive. I used to manage them back in the day. So it's like I I'm I'm about it. If I'm about it, I'm about it. And I'll let you know if I don't want to fuck with it. But yeah, I just think it's so important to to support people and have that support group. That's why I look like one of my favorite directors is not for the same reason that everybody else. Like, you know, I love Wes Anderson and but you know, Wes put more black people and people of color in their movies. But outside of that, and, and not not just people from, like, India, put more everybody, you know, in their movie. But anyway, I love Wes Anderson as a director because of he has those go-tos, you know. And Bill Murray said he don't even never look at the script. He just automatically will just be like, okay. Like, when Wes Anderson's like, I need you to be in the movie, he's like, all right. And then he sees the script later on. Because they have this core group. The, you know, Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson all them. They'll be like, nigga, we're going to be in your movie. Straight up. Then we can find out who else is going to be in it. Because they have that tight fucking team. Right. But because of that, that that brings that, that definitely attributes to the success. And then people that yeah. think that's not true, you can look at all those groups. You can look at Ben Stiller and... and uh, and, I mean, Ben Stiller's part of that group. There's a connection with Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, and all those guys. So, like, they all, that's why they all be thriving. Because they all yeah. just be like, fuck it, we're going to help each other out. We're going to be working with each other. We're going to be we gonna be building each other up. Yeah, all of our friends who are working and successful, they have other people that they work with all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah. but you And you can sometimes branch those groups out. I know some people be button heads and stuff, but... Yeah, that's what kind of turned me off. Like, I feel like I'm a really good support player when when... I'm called on, right? Like, yeah. I feel like if I'm on the team and someone's like, great, like, now it's your turn. Throw the ball. Like, I can do it. I'm maybe not as good at, like, catching the ball when, like, you know, I, it's not my turn, when I'm not at bat or something. Like that. I don't, again, I don't know sports. This is a horrible metaphor. Yeah, but, but you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm really good when, like, I'm, I'm, I'll come when I'm called on. I'm bad at showing up when I'm not. And that's just something about me. But I feel like I'm a pretty good supportive player. And one of the things I like to do is I like to connect people. And if I'm if I know someone who would be really good at this or really good at that, I love to make that happen. Um, I just don't get those opportunities because I stop meeting people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a shut in as we discussed last episode. Like I left. I've been in quarantine for the last three yeah, this, years. I would I would say. The quarantine just, has affected me as well. Yeah, but but just to finish my point, like I got a little bit turned off because there was a couple times where I was like making moves and trying to connect people, and then people butt heads and things didn't go the way I wanted them to go, and that you know that made me feel let more gun shy to go for it. 
and, you know, doubted myself as part of the process. My ability and my, you know, um, my, I guess I questioned my judgment. Are you talking about, you're not talking about one with me and all your little... No, 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 no. No. Uh, okay. I'm talking about other situations. You're not talking about that one time we did token and everybody was like, oh, we don't this nigga angry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but no. the yeah, I, I think for me it's 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 very similar, but also I know that my downward spirals and my and my lack of my confidence in myself lately has been definitely affecting uh how I how I still continue to reach out to support people. Cause I know everybody's like, if I'm having these doubts to myself, I, you got to know that everybody else is having those as well. So in while themselves, I, in themselves. So yeah. why, while I'm like, why is nobody reaching out to me? I, help, I told y'all I'll support you and help you out uh, with your create with your artistic endeavors. Um, it's because they probably don't think that their endeavor is worth enough. They don't are worth it. They don't think their artistic, you know, venture is worth it. So they're like, I'm not going to break it up. It's hard. I feel like but artists will be very judgmental on themselves for a cacophony of different reasons. I don't know if I use the word cacophony correctly, but like a... a, a Cornucopia? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, like a copious amount know. of reasons. Yeah, I don't know why all these words cacophony start Cacophony is not that. Yeah. A cacophony is very loud sounds. Yeah. <laughs> Just very stressed out all the that's time. That's you leaning against this mic too close and making this motherfucker peek all the time. Uh, yeah, that's probably happening. I'm like looking over here, I'm like, damn, this motherfucker peeking. Uh, but sorry. Not that much. But Not that much. But all, I'm, all I'm trying to say is like there's so many reasons to doubt yourself. Like, like is this even worth it? Is is it good enough? It, like, why, why me over someone else? Like, why am I even working on this? Like, this will never be successful. Like, this will never make money. Like, th- why, 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 why? Like, there's so many of these weird reasons that we come up with in order to not do things. Yeah. That it's, like, really refreshing to see somebody find just, like, every reason to just keep doing it. Yeah. And they're... obviously it started making him money, so of course he's going to keep doing it. But, you know, it takes a long time to get to that point. He's 40, right? Over 40 years old when he started. I feel like he, yeah, he's something. I don't yeah. know. He looked like he got forty year old energy. So <laughs> maybe that's just Eddie Murphy. But yeah, yeah like, we, we watched just, some clips of Dolomite. The actual movie. the real Dolomite. Yeah. I've seen like kind of clips of it, uh, but my mom and dad would let me watch it a little, and I was like, why not? And then I watched the clips. And I was like, oh, it's that's like why. incredibly inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, it's like not good for kids. But how the fuck did I sneak my black ass watching Pulp Fiction shit? So uh, I don't know. But anyway, that movie is. It's so silly, but but he, seeing the story and how he, how through all these motions of of Rudy Ray Moore being rejected, like consistently for different reasons, or even slightly doubted by certain people, he kept pushing through it. So I was like, damn! I like I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Like I just wanted to get, I need to get that Dolomite energy, yeah, about my life and about things that I'm doing. Because you know, I just I can have doubts all the time. Like we have. Almost every, you know, next couple of days after we film an e- or record an episode, I'm going to go and be like, maybe I shouldn't do this. <laughs> maybe I should yeah. delete the whole thing. Uh, so, like, it's it's just funny because... So, if you're listening, send Mike a text and tell him that <laughs> yeah, it's valuable if you got something out of it. If not, just tell, tell him yeah, to stop Yeah, if you're doing. actually listening to it, 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 I am very... It does... It's very nice to, for you to be like, I listened to it or... Hey, I thought that was really cool when, if, but, you know, some people do that and some people send me messages and stuff like that. Yeah, and you I'm get like, value out of it. That's cool. Because, like, I, even though I can see the stats and I do know there are listeners and people downloading it and it, I'm very grateful for that, it's just, it's, it's sometimes you're like, you, you just, with any creative project, you're like, 
this is stupid. This is pointless. No one's going to give why a shit. I, yeah, why? Why this? Why me? Et cetera. Why, 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 why? Um, and then one thing I was thinking is like, you know, if you're someone who like is like us and you feel like maybe for whatever reason you never get picked for the team, I mean, Dolomite, he formed his own team. You know? yeah. he, when he said he's going to make a movie, he's like, I'm just going to hire my friends and, and y'all are going to help me. Some, yeah, sometimes you got to make the team. And that, yeah. that's something that's hard for me because I don't really want to make the team. But I've been yelled at from a good number of people or like kind of like get your shit together because they're like, you can't be in the restaurant business and managing restaurants and being in the exact positions of all the organizations you are and the clubs you are and then not expect that you're going to have to do that same thing in the for entertainment yourself, industry for your or for myself. So I'm like, damn, damn, I don't want to be no CEO and I don't want to run those films set. I don't want to do Mike, that shit. Think about how much you support other people. Like you need to put that energy into yourself too. Yeah. You know, like you like, you got to take that support and, and put that into yourself and, and bet on yourself. That's what, that's what Dolomite said in the movie. He said, he said like, man, like I'm going to bet on myself. Cause I know that, you know, I know that's worth it. Yeah, one day I'll do it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know what's funny is like I can understand your yawns because I feel like I know I can just understand you well I, enough. I always have a sentence when I'm in mid yawn. Like I'm not a person yeah. that just yawns and just Oh yeah, I always talk through yawns too, but then I it's only like recently that I realize other people probably don't know what I'm saying. That's fine. It ain't not worthy of me anyway. So please repeat what you said during your yawn. I don't even remember what I said. It's not even important anymore. Yeah. Yon took over the show. Yeah. But it's, I think, so just, just to boil this all down, it's just get the Dolomite energy, understand that it's very important to have these teams and uh, these support systems, whatever they may be. But being part of a support system or leading a support system, those things, those two things are, are important uh, to some to some degree, like it's necessary. That's that's the reason why we end up with situations we have now in the world and in America and Africa and all the stuff you see and all of this devastating things happen because people aren't supporting each other the way they should. Mm. Like we should really, like you should be supporting people for their humanity and for who they are as people and and, and living, breathing creatures. Not not because of all of, you know what kind of hat they got on and, and what political party they side with and who they fucking in the bedroom and all the weird this weird shit that we're always judging people off of. Like it should be we should be supporting humans and supporting each other. Well, that's interesting because like arguably Donald Trump and his elk, like people support him blindly. Kind so- of. Because that's not true support. Like a true friend would not let, and a true supporter would not let somebody go up there and say the stupid shit that he's saying and act a fool like that. That's so true. That's how you the, know that people don't have his best interest. He's just the king life. of the fools. Yeah. Like I, I didn't study this shit. I seen the Hunchback of Notre Dame about four, five, six times, and I remember that they took uh, Quasimodo and they brought him down there, and he got all excited because everyone was giving him attention, but they made him the king of the fools or whatever, and then oh, they that's tore so and they, everyone was cheering for him. Remember that? that? Everyone's he's so excited but then he realized that everyone was actually being mean to him donald guess what you're the king of the fools like all you're doing is everybody just excited because you're just the dumbest dude in the room but you're doing you're being dumb so like it's and they're making money off and they're making money off of you so it's like it's not cute that's not true support yeah Uh, i guess true support is also like letting people know when they're going off the rails so let me 
you have to watch this movie. You have to watch it to support, you know, the revival of Eddie Murphy's career. For one, it's on Netflix. It's really easy to watch. And also, it's going to remind you to get that, give yourself that dolomite-ass energy and just be confident in yourself and confident in your artwork and in, in what you're trying to create or confident in your family, your your uh, your beliefs, your, you know. If your beliefs are harming others, do not be confident in those. Let me make that clear. If you are a racist <laughs> or a bigot, you can go to hell and you need to change your fucking thought process. But I feel like it's it's like weird how hard it is to give a like a positive review right? of, of being confident right now. Because like, like the, 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 the age we live in, I'm like, just be yourself and be true to who you are and don't take no for an answer. I'm like, oh shit, wait yeah, a minute. It comes with a huge yeah. caveat. <laughs> let me address QAnon and all the crazy people. No, that is not referring to you. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's just, it's so important because I, I, I just thinking about myself, I, I have so many moments of doubt. We just did an episode on self-doubt. I just did one before that. Or on one imposter after that. syndrome. Oh, yeah, imposter syndrome. Yeah. And now we're talking about this. Clearly, the motherfucker is having a downward spiral moment. <laughs> but uh, it always happens around the fall, sad boy fall. I'll be like, you know, I'll be like, my life is over. I always get a new job or some transition changes happens around this time. So, yeah, that's uh, weird. It's, it's like clockwork. Yeah, it just, it takes... It takes a little bit extra work to get your to build yourself up during the holidays. Holidays are depressing times for people. Yeah. Um, so it's just yeah, find that find that energy and find that that small little spark inside yourself. <laughs> it sounds like a fucking com- PBS commercial, but find just find that like whatever you can that's enough to 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 ask for that support or be able to give that support. Yeah. Because if you think your closed mouth don't get fed, and and so you gotta, and if you have a lot to eat, then you can share. Even though you can share that, make that family style, share that plate with people. So it's like I I want to collaborate with others, but I also would I need to learn how to collaborate with myself. I need to learn how to pr- promote myself. So yeah, just be true to yourself and and, and who you are. And, Oh, you know what that makes me think of? What? The Eddie Murphy classic. Oh, that's not Eddie Murphy. That's... Oh, you just got some about like The Eddie the Murphy... Samuel the, Jackson. the Eddie Murphy starring film Mulan classic ending theme song, True to Yourself by Stevie uh, Wonder. True to Your Heart. True to Your Heart. Shit. All right. By well. 98 Degrees and Stevie Wonder. See, I was, I'm an expert in this. I also researched that in between Hunchback I'm and I'm so bad. My memory is That's bonkers. That's why. I I'm here. But yes, that movie is fucking gangster. True I to wish, your heart. You must be true to it. your heart. That's all you can you say. That's that. That's it. Something, something, something. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say nothing else. <laughs> and you, something, <laughs> something, something. We're not going to have that Disney fuck us up. Uh, but yeah, that song is great. And that's, that's what it is. Be Mulan. Be Quasimodo. Be screw that. Be Mushu. Mushu. Yeah, Mushu was confident as fuck. He thought he yeah. was a big dragon. Yeah. See, take all take note from all these fucking powerhouse fucking characters. Dolomite, Mushu, and Quasimodo, and be very true to yourself. You're gonna have moments of doubt, but in the end. Dolomite is my name, and fucking up motherfuckers is my game. Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five-star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.